Wait, Cody, do you like my background? I started putting the pegboard up and the, like things on the pegboard. It's cool. I like yeah. all the, you've got the travel rig, the travel podcast rig set up. All hooked yeah. Up, right? Yeah. So, um, eventually I'm going to put those microphones on, on the wall too. So for the listener who's not watching, um, I have my four over the ear headphones that we're bringing to Japan. I have my Panasonic, Panasonic Lumix J85 camera right here. Um, this is all the camera stuff like the, the battery and cable and charger. And then um, over here, we have two extra mice for my computer. Um, and then one up right here, we have an extra camera. And then I don't remember what's right here, but there's an extra camera there. And then in the middle, we have uh, my first edition, first appearance of Deadpool in uh, Marvel's New Mutants 98, signed by Rob Liefeld at a uh, CGC grade of 9.4. <laughs> So uh, yeah, any Deadpool fans there, I figured uh, would enjoy that. Um, there's gonna be more on that wall. I just gotta get more pegs. Uh, I'm out right now, but um, but okay, Cody, I have I have a question for you that was actually not asked in our group, but it prompted me to write this question. Um, All right. So so I'll tell you the question first, and I'll tell you like what like how this ended up in the group. Um, how much would you pay? For a ten thousand dollar agency, so let me let me expand on that question because I know you've already got some questions. Um, mm-hmm. The context of this question was someone was asking to buy an agency that was doing ten thousand dollars in MRR, and that's all the details that was in it. So my question to you would be one to answer the question is if you were to buy an agency that did ten thousand in MRR. How much would you be willing to pay? And if you can't give me a direct answer, why not? And what are some of the things you're looking for? Okay. I have a direct answer knowing zero. Like if that's all you're giving me, mm-hmm. I'll pay. I feel like uh, what's Pawn Stars? Rick, right? Or no, yeah, best I can do. Yeah, yeah. He's like, but I mean, the best I can do is 2K. Do you do, do, you do $2,000? I give him 2000 bucks. No, that's but, all I know. But, but it makes all I know but it makes ten thousand dollars a month, U.S. dollars I, a month. Why only two K, Cody? I don't know what your expenses are. I don't know if you're in the red. I know zero context. Congratulations, you are moving ten thousand dollars of money every month. I know no more details, and because of that, it might be worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it might be worth it for me to give you two K to find out if I can turn it around into something that is profitable. I'll give you 2K just to find out if I need to shut everything down. But knowing that, that that's all the details that I have. Sure, I'll give you 2K to find out. I bet you probably just blew some people's minds. <laughs> we should do an episode. We should do an episode on evaluation. But I think I, we should. We need to do a little bit more research on that. On you know, but, this is my approach to domains too, though, right? Like domaining is my hobby. It's just my fun thing that I do when I can't sleep and I'm laying in bed and I look at what what domains we could possibly acquire. And uh, I lowball everybody all the time because they'll say, oh, you know, it has this much domain authority and it's been around, it's been registered since this time. And I'm like, "Mm, 200. You're like, you're like the Ron Swanson meme where he's like walking through Home Depot and then like someone goes, welcome to Home Depot. Can we help you find anything? And he just goes, I know more than you. (laughs) (laughs) But for real, domains, that's especially because that's, that's such a messy one. 
right? That's especially one. That's the it's like jewelry then, right? Because people will say, oh, jewelry's worth this, it's worth this much. Well, it's only worth that if someone's willing to pay it. And if they're not, then it's worth nothing. And that's the same thing with domains. If you can't get a buyer, somebody who wants it and that's willing to pay money for it, it's not going to be worth much of anything. So that's why I will often come in with 250. Like, look, I'll give you 250 to find out. Sounds like fun. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm certainly not giving you, you know, 3K or whatever crazy amount these people are asking for. And they, they're just hoping they get a dumb buyer. So you but, so you blew some people's minds because some people see 10K as, hey, that's, that's $120,000 a year. But you're saying, I'm only going to give you 2K because you could just be moving $120,000 per year and not putting any in your pocket. That could just be revenue on, basically, you have a return on ad spend of one, of one, one X. And now to um, be fair, to be fair, I think if I asked you this in return, you would have a higher number because I'm I'm super conservative with some of this stuff. And you'd be like, look, we can pay a little bit more to find out. Oh, really? Yeah, my number's zero. (laughs) I'm not gonna buy your agency if if you're not gonna give me any more information. Okay. Um but I would uh okay. Um I'll throw in a curveball. Okay. Uh it's a ten K per month agency, but they make two thousand dollars a month in gross profit. 2K a month across profit? Five oh. Solid five. I was going to say, and um, their, their marketing execution is documented. Uh, okay. Yeah, this got a lot more interesting. I'm trying to show work. the listeners like the levels of purchasing a small agency like that. Like, if you don't give us any information other than your revenue, which we've already had an episode about why revenue is bullshit, um, then it, your agency is worth nothing. But now we've got some profit and we have documented procedures for marketing execution. I would... Mm, well, anyway, we're, Now we're, it comes we're, down we're, to the information, the, the order in which I received this information too. Because if you came to me first and you said, I'm at 2K MRGP. You, no, you have all the information. Um, oh, like if and, I received all th- that, yeah, this is a hypothetical information. You have all the information, and you have all the money in the world. Uh, yeah. I mean, in that case, in something like this, I think most people would say most people would probably put this at a bare minimum. An agency like this, what sixteen k to acquire? Uh, usually, that that's going to be a bare minimum. If that's the kind of situation that they're describing, you've got documented procedures. You're you've got two k. MRGP, um, assuming that there's no other, you know, gaping holes that are not clearly mentioned or, you know, there's nothing. But even so, uh, I would I would do a lot more. Yeah, no, I'm I'm saying that's what people would say. I think is the minimum um, Mm -hmm. to, and really, it's just ultimately not that much money. (laughs) Like, yeah, I would I would do. Wait, no, you say yours first. What would you do? See, this is the, I do. I become the Ron Swanson. I become the Rick from Pawn Stars. And I'm like, Meh. what would I actually do? Yeah. What I actually do here in in a real world, 5K. Just because cool. I see how much, just because I see how much work it's going to be too, though. Too like, there's already so much on my plate that if I was at a different point in life, if if I was free and I had time to you know totally dedicate to this acquisition, and I wasn't caught up in other things at the moment. 24. Sure. Why not? Right. I would. Okay. I'll tell you what I would do. Hmm. I would do uh, 10,000 for uh, six months 
and I would say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on board for six months. I want you to show me around, to show me everything. Like we're just going to do operations oh, nice. and we're going to do it. We're going to do the transition. And when the transition's complete and, um, by the way, I have the, I have the opportunity to back out anytime, but you get to keep the 10,000. Um, during that six months though, I am collecting a portion of that profit. I'm collecting, you know, uh, 50 to 75% of it. Um, but at the end of that six months, if I'm still on, I'm still game. You'll get forty. You'll get forty thousand from me. Oh, I didn't know we were getting this sophisticated. I thought we were just talking lump sums. <laughs> come in and check out. So, well, ultimately, it's fifty thousand. But I'm not going to give you all that fifty thousand because you could just give it to me and then drop away, and then suddenly now I've got a ticking time bomb. Yeah, um, I, I think it's and and what I'm doing here is I'm basically doing two to three times gross profit. There's a lot of companies out there who will do to like two to three times like revenue, but not me. I'm doing gross profit. So whatever your gross profit numbers are, you can base your valuation off of that. That's high for an agency, though. I think a lot of people are going to, I think realistically, when it actually comes down to this, this is a complicated thing and it's complicated stuff. You want to sell to to someone like this. You know, you want to sell uh, ideally to someone who's, also a SaaS company, integrated marketing company, if they're offering both of those things, because, um, you know, let's say you, you're not the acquirer. I'm saying you, you theoretically, the person selling here, um, if those are, if that's your clientele, your clients are worth a whole lot more to someone. If they can double dip, if they can sell them, not only marketing services, but also their SaaS, right? Their software as a service. So, you want to sell to someone like them because they're going to give you a lot more because it's worth a lot more to them. So exactly what I'm saying about domains, right? If you want to sell a domain for a lot of money, you got to find the right person to sell it to. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I, well, I think, I think a big factor of this is, you know, what is your average lifetime value of a client look like? And what is mm-hmm. your client retention? Oh, do you see what I'm doing here? Ah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was smart. That was smart. Okay, good job. <laughs> this is a trans. <laughs> this is a transisting sentence or a, a transition sentence. A trans. Um, it's trans, a trans sentence. It's a trans. <laughs> Can we say that? Uh, yep. But we'll uh, so yeah. So we're. Um, this is actually Cody's idea. So Cody asked a group a question in a marketing in a marketing agency owners group where he asked what people wanted to hear about and. Um, First one was client retention. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll, I was, I'll, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I'm leading this one. Let's go. Woo. Um, no, but I, so I, everyone's excited that you're <laughs> taking this over because, uh, Cody, I think Cody is the most liked person on this podcast. Uh, Adam, I too. That. <laughs> I, there are more people who, who write in that, that talk to you specifically. I don't think that's true. They're, they're, I'm more accessible, but I think you get the most um, memes and um, I do get uh, memes. Yeah, you get like memes, memes and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Okay, but yeah, think, so, yeah. In, in a this is because oh, let's okay, let's talk about the review again. I'm just gonna say it. we're not gonna we're not gonna drag it out. We're just gonna say we got a bad review. So uh, leave us a review, and I'm not even gonna tell you what kind. You can just whatever kind you're feeling. Just leave us a review. Um, if you listen on Apple, that's ideal. I'm not even saying because you can write a message. But that's good, too, if you write something with it. But um, we've got a lot more on Spotify at the moment. So if you use Apple, that'd be cool. That way we can just get a little bit more balance. But so uh, we were just talking about you know, ways we can improve and, and how we can 
make information more uh, beneficial and that sort of thing. And so I posted in one of the groups and said, look, what do you wish agency owners talked more openly about? And one of the comments was about uh, retention. And uh, they also said acquisition. I feel like we've covered acquisition to death at this point. We've talked a lot about acquisition, uh, but we haven't really talked a ton about retention. So I thought that was a good one, um, especially because, yeah, like I, it can seem like an afterthought in a lot of cases and instances um, until it's a problem. <laughs> like uh, the agency where Jake and I met uh, had a revolving door, I would say, when it came to retention. And For that, employees and clients. Yeah, everything. Just a constant spin of, uh, of people coming in, people going out. And it was very expensive all around, right? I mean, they were focused heavily on sales. They were a sales company, and you could tell. Like, that was a big thing to them. Not just big, like, performance-wise, but just, like, belief-wise. It was a, a very strong, and it's because they were old school. Um, and digital was a, a newer thing to them. But um, so, yeah, there was a constant churn there. And it was exhausting. And if they just had better retention, and retention is everything. It makes life so much easier when you can just keep people around for longer. You're not chasing work constantly. Um, and it's rewarding, right? You get, you get to get to know your clients, develop relationships with them. Um, and that's fun. So, uh, yeah, I wrote down some notes just on kind of my thoughts of what I think is important, um, when it comes to retaining clients and I'm going to go with four points. And here's number one is to first make sure you're working with the right people. Um, and in a very basic way, the first thing is, do they have enough money to afford your services? Because if you're not pre-qualifying that part right there, you're going to have a very big problem. Uh, yeah. So early on when you're starting out, well, you got some, I I do, (laughs) but finish your thought. Uh, early on when you're starting out, you don't get to be super picky with this. You got to take what you can get. Um, and that's just part of the game. That's part of getting established. Um, but as you're able to become more picky, you can start raising the bar and just making sure that um, very simple, very basic things. Are these people going to pay you regularly and on time? Right. <laughs> that's that if you want to retain clients, there's a, there's a reciprocated quality to that too. Assuming that you're delivering on your service and you're doing a good job on it, then you're also going to get clients who pay regularly and on time. And that feeling is going to be reciprocated both ways. Does that make sense? Jake, yeah. Can you... yeah. Cool. <laughs> no, you're like, you're like, I'm hanging on here, man. I need to, I need to back like, up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I wrote down these things and I'm like, yeah, that's it. No, so, okay. Um, I've got a a story time. This one's a relevant one. So like, this is relevant to your point. Um, so Lauren has a, uh, a coworker subordinate, um, Mm. who wants to start her own marketing agency. And she's been wanting to talk to me for a while because she knows that I, we, you know, I own, own an agency with you. And, um, but it wasn't until recently she just found out I had a podcast because they were talking about something random. And she goes, yeah, well, at least it's not like all the econ majors who turned out to be douchebags in college and then dropped out to start their own podcast. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then Lauren told her I had a podcast, but um, that's besides the point. So I actually, I went to go visit Lauren yesterday because I had free, some free time and she was there. I got to meet her and she had some questions to ask me about this. And I thought she was going to talk to me more specifically about SEO uh, because that's what she had expressed interest in before. But she actually had agency related questions that wasn't related to SEO. And I'm like, well, if I knew this, I would have just said, listen to the podcast. You don't need to listen to me um, because everything is aired out here. It's faster if you listen. I tell this to people all the time. It's faster if you just listen to this podcast and then come to me and ask the questions. Mm. Um, or not faster, but you get more information because we get both of our perspectives. And yeah, so, so do your homework. Nothing's more annoying than having yeah. someone you know, just like, hey, give me some of your time and your expertise and, you know, give me yeah. all this uniquely personalized thing. It's like, like if you haven't at least done your like basic homework yet, I have no reason to believe that you're going to follow through and, on anything. So and, and that follows through. That, that's mostly with the people who reach out to me and know that I have the podcast. It's like, dude, listen to the podcast first and then talk to me. Because I've covered a lot. This this is the reason why we're doing this is because there's a lot of questions that are being asked over and over again, and I don't want to keep saying you know, the same answer. So, um, so I was talking to her, and one of the questions that she she asked me a follow a two basically a two parter. One one was, do I feel like the mark the marketing agency market is oversaturated? Um, and I we can do. I actually have it on on deck to do an episode about this later, but my answer in short was, um, well, yeah, it, it is over absolutely oversaturated. If it's, if you're talking about like broad marketing agencies in general, which is why we've kind of hammered on niching down, because if you've got, let's say you've got a million marketing agencies out in the world, but you niche down to something specific, like for us, it's landscaping. Okay. Well, we've got like eight competitors. So like we've moved from a million down to eight. And you can make an argument that, yeah, people are using marketing agencies that aren't niche specific, niche specific in our niche. But like at the end of the day, like that's our differentiator, uh, our main differentiator to separate ourselves up from the other million agencies. Um, and then she, uh, she had followed up with a question, which was kind of ironic. Um, and I don't know if it was I don't know if it was hypothetical or if she was being like legitimately serious because she said, um, which is funny because I directed her to this podcast. So if she listens to the, this episode, it'd be funny. Um, but she said, I've got like five people who want, let's say I got five people who want to work with me. It, it sounded like a hypothetical, but it also sounded like she was using it like the hypothetical to hide behind the fact that she actually did have five people that said she wanted to work with her, mm-hmm. but they want to work with her. And it's, it good was job. funny. It, it Well, yeah, good job. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, cool. If you're um, listening, good job. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's also it was ironic because she's like is it saturated but then like i've got five people on day so like, <laughs> how saturated is it but like i mean there are probably people closer that she probably knows and um i it's cool that you have five people that want to work with you but to cody's point this point number one is do you want to work with them and i because i was at their place of employment, I couldn't just sit down and talk to her for half an hour on this. You know, I, I had like two, two, five, two to five minutes. Um, and so I thought this would be good to kind of bring up here um, that just because you have people that want to work with you doesn't mean you want to work with them. And it, it, there's a lot of things is, um, do they have the budget? I talked to Marcus, who's this, that, that can, I'm mentoring or mentoring right now. And when we first started talking, he wanted to get into the gym niche. And I'm like, be careful about that niche because a lot of gym owners are very bootstrapped and don't have a lot of money. Uh So you either have to provide a product that 
is extremely affordable or you have to go after big gyms that have a bigger budget. And if, if you're, so if she has like these people who start local businesses, maybe they have like a, I don't know, local dog walking business, you might be able to charge them a hundred bucks a month. And you have to ask yourself, is that scalable? And if I start here, um, you know, how can I grow this now? You can use it as like a, um, like a, a portfolio builder. That's totally fine, but you can't, I wouldn't select that as your niche. Um, you know, as long as you kind of measure the market viability, I think it's episode 40 where we talk about um, how to select your niche. So if you haven't listened to that one, listen to that one. But anyways, I thought that was a really relevant story to talk, talk about like, mm-hmm. just because you have people who want to work with you, make sure you want to work with them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's hard when you're first starting out, if you don't have any entrepreneurial, I guess, experience yet, just doing it yourself because you can't yet tell personally i hate i hate the awkwardness of doing any sort of business with somebody who is a a friend or family first and then adding business in after the mix it's just much more smooth and much more comfortable to do things the other way around is when you do business first and then you know develop a friendship or something like that just because reeling things back is hard if you if you go into business and things go weird they get uncomfortable and you try to bring it back to, you know, the friendship or the family thing, you can have uh, messes, right? <laughs> but I think that's beside I, the point. Yeah. I think what's important. Well, yeah, this is besides the point, but what's important is when you have business first and you establish a friendship out of, out of, out of it, you can have one or the other. If you never establish a friendship, that's fine too. As long as the business is good. But if you have, if you start with friendship and go into business, you always have to have those two components because if you lose the friendship while you're doing business, that's a problem for the business. And mm-hmm. um, so starting the other way around, uh, we've talked about this before, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. Yeah. All right. Number two, uh, offer a successful service. And I say successful because originally I wanted to say profitable, uh, but that's not necessarily true. I think, um, a big focus of our agency we talked about is mutual profitability. So if it's a service that our clients can be profitable with by receiving and that we can offer profitably as well, then that's a success and that's a win. But it doesn't necessarily have to be true. If you can do it, it is a great thing to do. Um, and that's awesome. But you know, let's say some of you are offering some sort of more administrative service or creative service that doesn't have a directly traceable ROI. Then in that case, it just comes down to, are your clients happy um, with what they get, what, with what they're getting for based on how much they're paying? That's how you're trying to determine what is successful. So you need to see how it's received based on the price point and gauge and find out what you have to do on your end. You know, if you are scaling, how you can do it in a sane and reasonable way with your internal team. And then also having your clients be happy at the same time. So um, we've talked about this before. Like our our base package um, has roughly a 90% success rate. I see the remaining 10% as collateral damage. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it. Matt, I, I tell clients that straight up too. I'll just say, look, unfortunately for you, you're in the 10% of collateral damage. And... I don't see that as a, as a loss. I do still see that as a win to let them know too, hey, you're probably not at a point where this is going to be successful and profitable, not just with us, but with anybody. 
based on the numbers of your business and that sort of thing, either you need to make changes to how things operate or you're going to have to do some things in-house or something like that because outsourcing the sort of service is not going to work very smoothly for you. Um, I, think people, I think a lot of agency owners have a really hard time seeing things from a business owner's perspective and not a business owner as in you. I mean, a business owner as in your client because um, if something isn't profitable for your client with you, there's, there's a chance that it's just not profitable in general because of their biz- how they run their business and their market. And it's better if you as an agency can go to that client and say, this isn't profitable. Um, so I like I I very rarely want to work with people out of Wyoming, uh, United States, because they just don't have a market. <laughs> there's there. nobody there. Yeah, for anything. <laughs> like maybe in Cody, uh, Wyoming, um, or Cheyenne. Town. Yeah, but like, um, I've my, never been there. I just hear great things about it. My my brother um, lives in Evanston, Wyoming, and there's like ten people there. Uh, it's not Cody, but I'll let it slide. Yeah. So if you fly out to Evanston, Wyoming and just knock on random doors, eventually you'll find him. Um, but uh, he's got a someone in his church who uh, started has started renting like or started like a rental business for like RV or not RVs. Um, maybe he does rent RVs, but like snowmobiles and like active like ATV things. Um, and like I guess they're seeing a lot of success, but like if they ever approached me and said, Hey, I want, I want you to do marketing for us. I'm just going to say, no, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'll tell I'll give you the tools to figure out how to do it yourself. But I, there isn't a situation in which you pay me a management fee that's worth my time. And you're also profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done this for a couple of clients where we've had like, Hey, you need to fire us because your market and the way you do things just isn't working. And, um, it's really it's really easy to get lost in the yeah, but they'll give me money kind of mentality because that that's you know, listen to the last episode that's only going to tarnish your reputation. Yeah, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that all right, number three. Oh um, wait, hold on. No. Oh, you have more. Yeah, because yeah. Back. Okay, I wrote I wrote a thing for this too, and it was it's something that like I'm very passionate about, which is you have to have the process for something that you sell. So there's a lot of people in the agency of the SMMA space who not only hire uh, closers to get them leads, but also outsource all of the work to other uh, contractors. And that means you own nothing. You own a name and then everything else is funneled to it and just you're just moving money. If one of those collapses, you collapse. If you no longer get leads... You collapse. If your contractor that you're using to execute the services decides that they don't want to do it anymore, then they got to find a new one and you can't execute the services that you are paying or that you had closed. Um, so I have a very strong stance on, on contracting uh, against contracting all of your work out, like all the marketing execution. But if you do, you have to have that documented and processed out and your contractor has to do it the way that you want them to do it, which means... And I know this might sound scary, but you have to learn how to do the marketing yourself. Because if you don't know how to do it, you can't control the process and you have nothing that's repeatable and you have no intellectual property. Uh, Cody and I, Cody does extremely phenomenal ads and SEO. I'm really good at SEO. And so when we when we hired um, Eva and Lisette and even uh, Courtney back in the day, they did things and they do things how we want them to do them and it's repeatable uh every single month 
Mm-hmm. And although there are some gaps in our processes that we're working to rectify this summer, um, things are done our way. And that's one of the reasons why we're as successful as we are. So whether you're in-house or contracting it out, you need to have your processes for uh, execution documented, which means you have to learn it. I had one more point on this one, Do on it. the successful Do service it. one. You can't sell something vague. <laughs> we we talked about this before the podcast uh, started, but there's a lot of people out there who are selling social media services, but they aren't specific about that. They're selling creative services, but they aren't specific about that. What are you selling? And creative services or social media ser- services for lead generation is still not descriptive enough. What? How are you executing that? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like you have to ask what yourself kind of campaigns, what campaigns, what yeah. ad types, what how many mm-hmm. ads in a month are they receiving? What's the reporting look like? I mean, you, you, those you should have, not be questions you're being asked. Those are things you should proactively tell them. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to ask yourself the how, not just the what. So. If you if you have a service and you, you say this is what it is, but you can't explain how it works or exactly how to set it up, you don't have a specific product. Um, all you have is an idea. And uh, it, it, this kind of came from like a recent post. Someone said that they sell creative services for lead generation and like they want to know how to provide more value. And I was just like, well, pr- what do you mean? Like explain on that. And I read it to you, Cody, and like it wasn't even it, his response. Still, wasn't descriptive. It was, I am. I have a creative agency that sells lead generation services. Like, what does that mean? How? <laughs> what mediums? What channels? What do you do? I always, I was like, that always makes me think of. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this before. I always thought it was funny, though. I think that you can you can tell how much money a company makes from their website is if you <laughs> land on the homepage. And you read the homepage and you still have no idea what they do. They're super rich. They've got tons of money. They'll say like, we empower people in the world to do wonderful (laughs) things. I'm like, oh, cool. Great. I don't know what you do. I still have no clue. All of those companies have like, they've got like, you know, a billion dollars in the bank or something. I'm like, I don't know. I still got no clue. That's because all of those companies have leveraged partnerships and have outbound sales strategies. If if you're if you have any hope of inbound sales, um, you have to be very specific on the website about what you do. Um, this is why we're very specific about on the website. Like when we run, um, when I've explained how we would run Facebook ads, mm-hmm. I say, okay, well, it's five hundred dollars management fee with five hundred dollars in ad spend. Um, we create up to two ads. You get one ad per $250 in ad spend. One of them is a lead gen ad, and the other one is more of a branding or deal ad, uh, which drives traffic to your website, or the lead gen one is a lead gen form. And then like here are the expectations. Like you, we don't plan to get a lot of leads from the from the website one, um, because it's more branding and it's it's used to build the retargeting audience. Then you have also, the lead gen one. People know five hundred's minimum you can yeah, grow up absolutely, whatever absolutely you want. And you can't do um, if they want to add a third ad into the mix, they got to go to 750 because it's 250 per per ad. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like as far as the leads go, um, leads are then uh, exported um, regularly, either through Zapier or through a direct connection. And um, for the for the lead ads, uh, if you use something like Go High Level, I think they have a direct integration with that, so they just go into your client dashboard, um, uh, which is neat. Otherwise, if you use like Zapier to export those to uh, like email or something. Um, but 
I just explained the how and the what we do. So the what is we do social media lead generation. And the how is literally how I do it with the ad spend I'm given. Um, and if you, if you can't answer those both, you don't have, there's no way you have a successful product. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that goes at number three. Yes. Which is a little bit of a repeat, but I'm going to say it clearly. Set clear expectations and deliver on them. So things worse than being very vague uh, about what you're delivering. And it's definitely not going to help your retention in the long term, in the long run, when clients don't understand what they're getting. That's very confusing. And then when they don't know what they're getting, they start to question why they're spending this money on something that they still don't understand. And then that's when you get the email of, hey, I want to review our agreement. Hey, I don't know about this anymore, that sort of thing. So it's, I say this a lot. It's not what you sell or offer that's problematic. Most of the time, most of the time, it's the fact that you aren't clear about it at all. It's the expectation. So most things would actually sell fine if you're just extremely clear about them and you eventually find the right people. But when you don't clearly outline these things and deliver on them, that's when you run into issues. So I think it's very important to also when you're doing that, flip it and then think from your client's perspective. If you were them and you're receiving this, this sort of product, this sort of service, this sort of outline, is it sufficient? Do you have enough detail and information here to feel comfortable and good about giving this much money for that service? And if not, you know, they might be excited at the beginning, but then as time passes and keeps going on, if you're not proactively communicating along the way too, to have them know that the value that they're receiving, they're going to drop off. So um, would you set your clear expectations and deliver on them? So let's say you miss a deadline or something that's very clear. Then, you know, I think it's a good thing to, well, at the very least point out that you made the mistake <laughs> and apologize for it. But it, depending on how big the mistake is too, you might also need to make up for it. So we've done this in the past before too, when we know that we've gone way past the deadline because we're dealing with some internal things in the business too. We'll say, look, I'm sorry. This is the reality of small business. I wish we were very big and had a billion people to do everything around here. We don't. So when these sorts of things fall behind, not only we're sorry, but we're going to give you a discount on this sort of portion of the thing to, to make up for the fact that um, we were in a bind. There's only so much that we could do. So think from your client's perspective about that. They don't, you know, not all those things last forever, but those do leave a good impression for a long time. So when you're doing that, um, that helps them remember, um, which I I didn't write this down, but I'll put it three and a half. Uh, It doesn't hurt to have your clients like you (laughs) and uh, to schmooze a little with however, however that means. Right. I got to talk to you about smoozing a client after this call. After this podcast, <laughs> I just I want to remember that. <laughs> I forgot to write it down in my on our weekly notes, but uh, this is our note to you, and the listeners get to hear it. But <laughs> noted. All right. Um, I I wanted to say um, uh, something about this too, and this is me talking slowly so I can remember what it was. Um, <laughs> um, when it, we also have to be very careful about um you know, there's a fine line between being, you know, you know, acting with confidence and selling your service, even though, even though you might not be as confident as you, you know, you probably should be. 
because there is a level of imposter syndrome that does come into this. And I know <laughs> I always think of the tropical MBA podcast because they just hate talking about imposter syndrome, but so it, it, it is a real thing to an extent. And, um, if you are experiencing that, like you don't think you're the subject matter expert that you, um, you know, try to portray yourself to be, uh, you can, you might not feel if you're, if you're thinking about how you just described this, like, would you be comfortable buying the service from somebody else? If you were pitching it to yourself, if someone like you was pitching it to you and I would say like now I would say yes, absolutely all the time um, because I am super confident in what we offer and I know that what we offer works. If you were asking me in 2018 before you came on board, I'd be like, nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was just me and that was a huge imposter syndrome. Whereas now I really lean on you a lot because there's a lot of aspects where I think you're way more intelligent than I am. And, um, you know, you can, you can make things work. Um, but at the same time, like, write I that also, down. write that down, <laughs> Hear what he said. write that down. <laughs> but I also, but I also know that like, we've had four years of experience behind us in, in doing this. And I know that mm-hmm. things that I have done in SEO and the things that you have done have really helped, um, mm-hmm. uh, with our clients. And, it's not just subjective data anymore. It's like, I know this works so that I can really talk about it. So when you're first starting out, you do walk the line of, um, do I actually have a product that's viable? And am I communicating it in an open and honest way? And then also, am I confident in what I'm saying, but not misleading? Um, so you might not be able to ask yourself, would I buy this product from me? Uh, because you might be experiencing imposter syndrome and you might ha- you know, not have the experience to back it up. But... Um, if you, if, if you were you and talking to you and trying to sell this product to you and you said, look, I don't have a lot of experience, but like, this is why my prices are lower. Um, please give me a shot or, you know, don't say please, but you know, give me a shot and I won't disappoint you. And if that's enough for you to sell you, then that's enough for you to sell someone else. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down too. Write it all down. I always bring it back to the, the first time agency owners because it's easy, it's easy for us to, to just say, you know, set clear expectations. Um, and yeah, you know, would you buy from, or would we buy from us? Obviously we kick ass. <laughs> yeah. Leveling is a, is a difficult thing, right? I, I think sometimes I even make, I'll make people uncomfortable with how often I do it. And just, I'm like, I'll say straight up, look, I want to level. I want to be completely honest and give you, complete transparency as to where I am. And sometimes that can freak people out because they don't actually want to receive it or they're not ready or prepared to, to completely get full transparency. Um, so somewhere in the middle is usually good. Um, and I think that's why things work well between Jake and I too, because um, I can tell Jake kind of the state of some things within the business too. And then he can say it that doesn't spook is <laughs> say it in a way that doesn't spook uh clients too because we are confident and we will deliver on things um but we can also say you know if we're if we are crunched or we're in a bind that we can at least give them a heads up that look these are our these are you know target dates that we're shooting for but being completely honest it is possible that we'll go past this date so we're targeting for this but we can't promise it completely that sort of thing 
Yeah, there have been things like where we said we wanted to test a new ad platform out um, in the in the the end of the winter, um, going into the spring, and uh, we never got to it. Like we, it, it's we're already hitting June, and um, it's, I sent him an email back in March and just said, "Hey, we didn't forget about you. We just we took on massive amounts of work, and this free offering that we were going to pilot with you just can't happen right now." And they were totally fine with that. But if I just would have not said anything, I think it would we would have um, been in a worse position with that client. For sure. Yeah. All right. Number four. Uh, last one, number four. And this is the stoic in me, but uh, I'm going to say it. And it's that you need to accept that on an infinite timeline, uh, all of your clients will eventually leave you. So, um Ironically, we probably lead, we probably lose some of the highest number of numbers of clients to acquisitions, <laughs> which is great. It's like a bittersweet thing. Hey, congrats on your yacht money. Um, I'm very happy for you. And then the new people come in and they have their own way of doing things. And they, you know, the first, of course, the first thing to get the axe is usually the um, previous marketing company. So, or any contractors. Uh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they even goes for like if they're contracting their accounting team. Like yep. somebody coming in probably has their own accounting team. If they're yep. big enough to acquire another company, they're probably big enough to have their own agency. Yeah. Acquisitions aren't uh, casual things unless they're casual things. Right? Best case scenario, the company comes in and then they see that the current agency is doing better than their existing agency for this small segment. And then you take on that. But that, that hasn't happened to us yet. However, I will say this most recent acquisition that our client got acquired, I, I bet he got a, uh, seven figures for his, his uh company but hope so he, yeah um he uh i i would almost be willing to bet he almost got eight because he was his uh revenue was seven figures um but i would be willing to bet not willing to bet i don't know what i'm saying we have been fortunate enough to where this, that's good the, the new company that has taken over has not given us the axe yet and it's been like four months um and just last month, I was like, do you want to be on the reports? Like these, these new people in the marketing department. And they're like, yes, we do. Thank you. And I added to them and I granted them access to Google Analytics when they asked for it. And I said, also, like, here's the GA4 access to this was set up a year ago. So there should be year over year data. And I think that was super impressive to them. So I don't know if they do their marketing in-house or if they have another agency on the other side of things. But um, whatever it is, uh, we're crushing it. So I'm hoping... It turns out, but if it doesn't, like it doesn't, again, bittersweet doesn't really affect us because no one's firing us because we suck. Yeah. It's always nice when you get those, you know, I don't even know how you describe them. The ones that just come in, they say, we want to acquire this and we want to change nothing. Just keep doing exactly what you're doing. Uh, But it's. That's weird. I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Like, What's going on with the rest of the business? (laughs) It is a bit strange, right? I mean, why would you do it if you're, if you plan to do nothing about it or for it? Other than I guess to just have the you know the arm and the muscle to say if you want to come in and and make a massive change that you have the ability to, but those are usually very very big. Those are the Facebooks out there that just do acquisitions for funsies. Uh, yeah, well, Facebook does acquisitions for monopolies. They, they well, they've yeah. been slapped with so many fines for creating <laughs> monopolies <laughs> and forced yeah. to sell forced to sell products. So yeah, hopefully that hopefully that helps uh, with retention. Jake, you got anything else that I you know that I missed or want to add? Um, I think it's on the infinite timeline thing. Like 
you mentioned that most of our clients leave on um, due to acquisitions, but that might not be the case for a lot of agencies out there. I think a lot of times there are just there's just churn, there's just turnover. Some some clients leave because um, they are just they can't handle the labor coming in, so or they can't handle the leads coming in because of a, a labor constriction. I mean, that, again, that's best case scenario too. When a client leaves, is you know, mm-hmm. it's something to do with you. In fact, you were doing so well that they don't have the labor to take on work. But there's other things like another agency comes in and maybe they send them some like a basket of beef jerky or something, and it gets them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying an agency in our niche does that, but they do. Um, and yeah, they send jerky. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, sweet. Got a jerky, yeah, a, a basket of jerky. Um, what kind of jerky? How big is the basket? Mm, I I would imagine it was probably a hundred. Who are these jerky basket people? I was, is there I a ma- company that specializes in jerky baskets, and that's what they? Maybe. Um, I'll send you. Yeah, it's. Um, hold on, I'll send you the who it is, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and and he, they didn't take him from us um and we've never had a competitor well i guess we have once um we've never really had an actual competitor take one of our clients that was you know happy with us but if a client is complacent with you then they could be conquested for sure and um people want to try new things they want to um you know maybe maybe they don't know what they have maybe you were the first agency Oh, I just sent Cody the, the link to it. And he's like, oh, of course. Of I, course. Like, I just I saw the domain and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That's funny. Um jerky, huh? Yeah. But what's yeah, the what's the best uh have we talked about this? What's the best gift you've received in business? Mine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've real oh, um random sent sent me the the gift card to saltgrass steakhouse by the way when we were talking about this um about clients sending gifts or uh, sending gifts um i couldn't remember it and i was like it's like a texas roadhouse but i can't remember it's called saltgrass so he sent me a hundred dollar gift card to saltgrass steakhouse uh, i think around i don't remember what it was i think it was around christmas um mm-hmm. and uh that was probably the best one i don't really get gifts from clients yeah that was top tier I won't say this. Oh, wait, ask me, ask me. Uh, Cody, has uh, what was the best gift a client has ever given you? Yeah, that's a good question, Jake. Thank you for asking. Mm. Um, well, I, I won't say the same because you already said it. Um, so shout out Randy. But yeah. Uh, did you get the salt grass too or did you get somewhere else? Nah, I got somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah. He, that, um, means he, that means he did a research on our area. Mm, yeah. And he would too. He would. That's, mm. that's kind of... <laughs> Um, one time, okay. Apart from that one time, it w- I wasn't, well, I guess both of these, I wasn't, um, it wasn't just us yet. Um, I was still at one of the other agencies, but I got, uh, I got a box of chocolates once, but it was addressed to me and it was huge. Like it was like one of those like 50 to a hundred dollar ones. Oh, and then I had to share which you would want to do, of course, because it's mm, sounds like socialism. <laughs> but you know, you just you, it's like in the back of your brain. It's not a big part of your brain, but it's like three percent of your brain. Not as more than that. It's like ten percent of my brain. <laughs> where I'm thinking, I get it, but it'd be really nice if I could just totally smash this whole box of chocolate just by myself. <laughs> 
And of course I didn't. But the other time was actually from, I think it was Bing. I think it was Microsoft. And they sent these, um, they're like cupcakes in a jar. They were so good. To be so fair, good. that's a that's a vendor gift, though. I, was, I don't care. It's yeah, still a whatever. It's a, gift. Was, it's a business yeah, yeah. gift. <laughs> yeah, send I, me a cupcake. I'm happy. It's probably something I'm forgetting. Oh, um, Luke, uh, Top Turf. He gave me a um, a big binder like book. Oh of, yeah, that was sick. Yeah, of like uh, like lawn care best practices and pesticides and things like that. And I was like, that's cool. I like that. That he mm. gave that I. Um, we live in the same home. Well, we're from the same hometown and um, the same hometown area, uh, Cedar Valley. And um, yeah, I had uh, breakfast with him and his uh, now wife. Um, so, and then that's when he he gave it to me. I think it was around Christmas, maybe. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been thinking recently too about what I can what I can send here. I was gonna do. I wanted to. Uh, I thought it'd be cool to send like um. That, not a whole cow, but like half a cow. That sounds like okay. So people who probably never heard this. Oh, in, in Iowa, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine yeah. sending like a, a half a cow, <laughs> blood dripping and everything, just like like the Godfather? So, this is common in uh, in Iowa on the farms, right? When you um, you'll just you'll describe it as you know you go in with um, with another few families or something. You'll buy a cow or you'll buy a pig or half a pig or something like that. What you mean is you're just buying the meat. And then you put it in the freezer for like the next six months to feed people and whatnot. But so meat is huge here in Japan. Um, it's like, well, one, it's, it's super expensive, but I heard, I heard uh, it was small in Japan. <laughs> Get out. Get out. <laughs> um, no, but I thought that'd be cool, but it's, uh, it's actually from what I can tell, not legal um, to, to, to ship. To import um, meat. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So then um, I was thinking I'll most likely, most likely probably do some beer or something like that. But I also, I don't know enough because I don't drink. So I don't know how to, I'm just going to go to like local Iowa brewery people and say, I know nothing. How do I ship this to Japan um, in ways that they will like? Because I'm like five years old right now talking about, you know, alcohol. And that's about as much as I know still. Laura and I bring alcohol home from everywhere we go. So like every, hmm. everywhere we go, like out of the country, we're bringing native alcohol back. So I brought that stuff that Javier and uh, that Javier was talking about from Colombia, that like hmm. tequila, black licorice stuff. I can't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it guano, but that's not right because guano is bad shit. Um, yeah. That's anyways, so I was, I was in Tampa uh, at the Publix liquor area and I like, two weeks ago and i saw that bottle in the tampa liquor store and i was like well now i feel like i wasted money in columbia <laughs> and like, like I can get it here. so liar so i i was like whatever but i do have a bottle of tequila from mexico that is only available in mexico and i verified that um so when we go to japan we're definitely going to bring something over um i just didn't find something that's only the problem is, is I can't like Google it. Like, is this weird character liquor available? <laughs> we, have you... we thought about Oreos. We heard that Oreos before coming that Oreos weren't like widely available here, but they are. Like we've seen them in lots of places. So mm. Oreos don't count. Um, but but, there's but things we, do, we, we were in, um, Laura and I took a bartending class for my birthday. My, like my 20, 
eighth birthday, I think, in Kansas City. And uh, this bartending lady was like, you can't, like, it's illegal to take alcohol across state lines. I'm like, that's that's horseshit. Because Wisconsin here has, um, they have um, Spotted Cow, which is a, a new Glarus uh, a beer. And it's my favorite beer of all time. And the only way to drink it is to go to Wisconsin and either bring it back or drink it there. And there are on the border, like tons of gas stations that sell spotted cow and tons of liquor stores. And then also we fly from country to country, bringing tons of, like we brought a whole suitcase of liquor back um, from, (laughs) from Philadelphia because you can only, well, back then you could only get uh, what's the, um, what's the beer there? Yingling You can only get Yingling on the East coast, but now it's, you can get in Missouri and some other States now, but that was Lauren's favorite beer before she was diagnosed with celiac. So we we would literally fly home with like a suitcase full of beer, and then same thing in Alaska. They have a they have a cidery there um, called uh, I don't know what the cidery is called, but uh, oh, double shovel, and they sell a drink called Pepper Peak. And we brought like a suitcase full of that back, and I'm like, it can't be that illegal. If PSA was just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for you to go to um go through Japanese immigration. It was uh it was a trip. Well, I have Google Fi now, so I have unlimited internet and I can translate everything. Yeah. No, I, I mean it was it was a great experience. Um I think the two funniest parts, so we we lost one of the bikes along the way, but we didn't know until a nice Japanese lady came up to us and told us before we even knew. She's like, Hey, I'm very sorry. Um, you know your bike was forgotten and they took care of everything. It was shipped to us. Like, Oh, nice. I don't think two days. Those foldable bikes that you bought to get around. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, it was a lot of fun. The, it was like, uh, you know, they, they extra your stuff or whatever, make sure everything's clear and that you don't have anything. So the the guy asked me and he was very excited because I knew enough Japanese to sort of talk about this stuff. But he, he said like, do you have any alcohol or anything like, blah 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 and i just said no and he goes ah okay and just that was just it you know like no no further questions or anything i think it was like i'm pretty sure it was a part of the actual like immigrations thing where they're supposed to grill you or whatever just, oh yeah no yeah. cares he's like ah, we, we we got our bag pulled aside and and opened in mexico city uh last october and uh they like opened it and she like he opened it it was like this girl that she opened it and she immediately saw just like feminine products and like high heels. And then she like opened it and looked at it and just closed it. <laughs> like, it felt like inappropriate. Like, uh. yeah, she's just like, no. <laughs> Too insolent. That's oh fine. Yeah. So, all right. No, I, I think uh, it, it's a well oiled machine. Like, it's super fast. It, it seems like so much because it's a very long line, but it's just constantly moving. So, Oh, not, cool. not like Columbia, where you're just like sitting in like stagnant no, air forever. There was wow. it was nonstop moving, and it just yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. Still doesn't stop me from wanting to get uh, global entry. No, no, you already have that, right? The, the Japanese equivalent. I can't remember what oh. they call it. I definitely want it, but yeah. Anyway, reminds me. I gotta get pre-check really soon. Yeah. I get it for free. I get pre-check for free and global entry for half off. Why? Because I Delta Platinum Amex holder. Ah, right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. We're uh, Evergrow is a gold. It, Ever yeah. Evergrow is a gold Amex. So maybe you can get something like reimbursed or something. Yeah, 
that could be that could be an episode by itself is talking about credit cards to maximize based on what your oh, ad spend is mm-hmm. so if people yeah. want to know that let us know cool yeah well we got really off topic but we we're at the end of the episode anyways so if you got bored and left that's fine yeah retention there you go you're welcome uh hope this was helpful and i don't know how to end these things jake always ends them i usually just say like this yeah i say um i think that's all i had that's the same line i use every episode and then Ah. i say um thanks for thanks for listening uh we'll see you next time and then you say i say see you